What's up, gentlemen? You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. I'm the founder and curator of Gird Up Ministries, and it's my joy to share my journey of Christian masculinity and manhood with you. Um, and it's my joy to share uh, the message of the gospel with you on a weekly basis, even bi-weekly or tri-weekly, whatever. Actually, I think that's the other way around. I think that's every three weeks. Anyway, to be able to share that message of grace with you often and uh, help us shape a new generation of Christian men and Christian manhood and Christian masculinity, I pray um, that uh, this content does you as much good as it does me. Um, it does me a great amount of good um, to do the research and do the Bible study and do the reading uh, that it takes to put this type of thing together. Um, and it's uh, honestly a true joy, and I've grown so much through the experience, which is the whole point. Um, and I want to be able to share that with you. So if you're enjoying it, make sure you share it with other people as well. Um, this sponsor, this episode of the Gird Up podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. Um, I'd call it our brother podcast. <laughs> it's run by Pastor Paul Steinberg, who is a pastor. He's got his doctorate um, and five, or he is the father of five sons. And five days a week, he applies God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast on ChristForDisciples.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Again, ChristForDisciples.com. Now, I listen to this one on the way to school quite often. Um, I don't miss it very often. Um, it's a genuine pleasure uh, to know Pastor Steinberg and have served with him. Um, it's also a genuinely good uh, resource for people who are about to go spend a day with kids. Um, and even if you're not going to spend a day with kids, it's just an excellent Bible study. Um, and uh, it's, it's a fresh reminder in a common vernacular um, of the grace and mercy of the Heavenly Father and uh, the influence that we have on the people around us. Most of us, though, do have access to kids, whether it's directly or indirectly, um, and it's wise for us to be thinking about how we shape and fashion and mold the very next generation of believers because uh, soon we will be gone, but they will remain, and that's a legacy that we want to cherish. It's a legacy we want to leave, and uh, it's a legacy we want to do justice to. The Lord promises the church will continue, so let's prepare them for it. Well, let's get started with the show today. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, fellas, today we're talking about self-image, what I believe about myself. Now, I totally understand that this is a sensitive topic, but I want you to hear me out. Um, before you start arguing with me in your brain, I want you to listen to me and hear me out uh, because I think by the time I'm done, it's going to make a lot of sense and it's going to be a lot of growth. Maybe this isn't as big of a deal as I think it is, um, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people who on the first couple of lines or first couple of early in the, in the podcast are going to say, eh, and dismiss me. I don't want you to do that. I want you to hear me all the way out. And if you still disagree with me at the end, my email address is at the end of the show. You can feel free to send me hate mail. Um, that's a joke, by the way, uh, you, but feel free to contact me. Anyway, today we're talking about what I believe about myself, and the reality 
that much of what we believe about ourselves is not true. And this was a revelation to me. I mean, it's not a revelation as in I'd never thought about it before. Um, but this weekend was a tough one for me. Um, I had to, so just to let you in on, on my personal life here, I wrecked my truck um, before Christmas. So uh, it was about two weeks before Christmas. And um, so I spent much of my break um, trying to replace my truck. Now, I had gap insurance, so don't worry. I'm not about to go head over heels into debt or anything like that. But I did have gap insurance, but I hadn't planned for such a thing to happen. And I hadn't been saving any money. So I had to significantly downgrade um, what I was driving. And it's it's not going to be for forever, although I kind of... I'm, I mean, I don't love the truck I'm driving now, but it's, man, it's mean and it's dirty and I kind it's, ah, it fits my personality kind of. Anyway, not that I'm mean and dirty. Gosh, I just got to talk. Okay. Anyway, um, the truck that I have is, it's a rust, it's not a rust bucket, but it's old. It's, it's older than me. It's 1988 GMC Sierra. I'm thinking I'm going to call it, um, I'm going to call it Susan because <laughs> I worked out at a gym once uh, and the gym owner he was a good dude. I I uh, I I genuinely enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. Actually, I interviewed him for the podcast once, but I never posted it um, because uh, we disagreed fundamentally on some things. And and I, anyway, the guy had a big, ugly bulldog, like not not like a, a pit bull, like a a British bulldog, um, like the ones that are covered in, in, in like rolls of fat, you know, like like the Georgia bulldogs, like that mascot type of bulldog. And uh, it was just the ugliest thing in the world, and it drooled all over the place, and it puked all the time. It would make messes, and it was just a kind of a dumb dog, um, a lovable dog, but just not like the prettiest dog in the world, right? Um, not it wasn't gonna win, it wasn't gonna go win any dog shows. Let's put it that way. And he named her Susan, and I think it's after a character on Office Space. I honestly have never watched Office Space, um, but I was just thinking about the Susan the dog when I was driving this thing home, and I was like, you know what, Susan's a good name for this truck. Now I usually don't even name my vehicles. I think it's kind of a weird thing to do, but when the vehicle is older than you are, you know, I, I'm 27. This vehicle is older than I am. I think it it just needs a name, right? So I'm gonna call her Susan. And uh, if you see me and Susan rolling around town, you make sure you make sure Susan knows she's ugly, but she's loved, right? Um, anyway, so I had to take a significant um, downgrade as far as the vehicle I was driving, and it was a huge hit to my pride. Uh, it was a huge hit to my pride, and uh, some other things. Look, there's some personal things going on, and and just like it all kind of climaxed at one point, and I just broke down and cried because I realized many of the things that I believe about myself are just facades, that they're not actually true. Um, I believe I'm tougher than I actually am. I'm not as tough as I like to think I am. And toughness is not everything. Um, you don't, I'm, Toughness is not the most important thing in the world. But I believed myself to be a lot tougher than I actually am, right? Um, and uh, I have a really high opinion of myself that isn't always true. Um, and there's some things that, I, that I'm consistently do poorly that I think I'm good. Like if I'm really honest with myself, it's easy for me to see. Now there's other things that I, um, that I genuinely, I think I'm right about myself on. Um, but there's a lot of things in my life and there's a lot of things in all of our lives that we believe that just, they're just lies. They're not true. Um, I need to get to the point here. What we believe about ourselves often isn't true. Um, we all have things that we believe in ourselves that some of them are true, some of them are not. Um, let me give you an example. When we're running, uh, think back to high school, right? The presidential fitness test, um, everybody had to run a mile, right? And when you're running a mile, there's a 
kind of four groups of kids. There's the kids at the top who it's it ain't no thing, right? They just go out there, run a mile, and they're done. Probably track track runners, basketball players, you know, the guy who plays safety on a football team. They go out there, they run it, and soccer players, right? They go out there, they run it. It's no big deal. They're kind of competing with each other, but they really don't even care. They know they're going to get it 100% on the score. They just go out and they run it, and they're done, right? And then you have a bunch of kids at the bottom who, no matter what the coach says, no matter what the teacher says, no matter what grade they're going to get, they're just not going to run. And some of them, they have a bad attitude. Some of them are just, they're overweight and they don't like to run. Um, For some of them, it's an embarrassment. But it doesn't matter what happens. It would not matter if someone put a gun to their head. They would not run, right? Um, And I'm not assessing the situation. I'm just saying there's a group at the top that they're going to run it and it's no big deal. They barely even break a sweat. They barely even breathe heavy. And then there's a group at the bottom that are just refusing to run. Then there's two kind of groups in the middle. There's a group of kids who aren't athletes. They don't really run or they're like the lineman on the football team, right? Where no one expects them to do well, but they take it as a personal challenge. They want to be healthier. They want to, they, they, they enjoy the challenge. They embrace it and they go out and they, and they, and they kick butt um, and they get the best time they possibly can and they enjoy it they enjoy the challenge they embrace it and they go out and they and they and they, and they love it right even if they don't get a great score they go whoo beat my time you know it's a challenge they enjoy the challenge and then there's a group of kids who are athletes or they are in good shape or whatever it might be um, they should have good times and they don't get good times now some of them just have bad attitudes some of them are having a bad day and uh, some of them are you know they've been injured in their sport but they still need to run um, you know some they have asthma and it's acting up today or whatever they underperform right they have the skills and abilities but they underperform and they underperform this time but they don't have to underperform every time now the temptation about these kids right and, and the temptation as one of these kids is to put yourself into that box and say you're going to stay there permanently, right? So the kids at the bottom, they say, I'm bad at running. I'll always be bad at running. I'm never going to try running. I suck at running. Does that have to be true? Absolutely not. Even the ones that have absolutely no gifts and are the least athletic people on the face of the earth, they can get themselves in good physical condition. I don't care if you have a heart problem. You can get yourself in decent shape, right? You don't always have to be at that bottom level. You can always take steps forward and you can make things different things true about yourself. We have the same thing about people at the top. Think about your high school class. The guys that probably ran a mile the fastest, some of them now they're 35 years old and they're still in great shape and they can still whoop you in the mile. But I guarantee there's a couple of guys from that high school basketball team that won state that couldn't <laughs> they couldn't play a pickup game if they wanted to, right? They're fat, they're old, they haven't picked up a basketball since the day they graduated from high school, and the reality has changed. They couldn't just go out and run a mile right now without preparing and make it ain't no thing, right? It would be a big deal, and it would be a big struggle for them to go out and run it. Now, there's also a bunch of kids in the middle, right? <laughs> and they're actively changing their reality. What I'm trying to say is that every single one of those kids believes something about themselves. And the ones that I would argue get the most out of the situation are the ones who no one expects to do well or who really shouldn't do well. Um, the fat kids who run really hard, right? Or uh, the kids who are injured who push themselves. Or the kid, the kid who's the captain of the chess team. He's never run in his life. This is his first experience doing anything so physically challenging. Those are the kids who get the most out of it because they're trying really hard. They're doing their best, and they're changing their own reality, right? Or a different one. A different one that's similar. Um, uh, middle school basketball teams. I 
I'm fascinated by middle school basketball teams, especially when they're at tournaments, because in that setting, you see different teams around each other. And a thing I've noticed about different teams is the elite teams, everybody usually is pretty much equal, right? They all treat each other with respect. They all treat each other with love, blah, 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 blah. The teams that are kind of middle of the pack and even some elite teams, but for the most part, teams that are middle of the pack and bottom of the pack, they always have big dogs on the team, right? They always have big dogs on the team who are cooler or more popular or whatever than all the other kids, and it's usually because they're so good at what they do. And um, it's fascinating to me if you watch the losers bracket or the consolation bracket, the teams that lose first, there's always a kid on the team who thinks he's like Michael Jordan, right? And he goes out and he, he treats his teammates like crap. He goes out and he plays. He might put up 15 points. Um, and he's better than everybody else on the team, and he thinks he's a big deal. He thinks he's really good, right? What happens to that kid when he gets to high school? All of a sudden, his world changes because he's not the best on the team anymore, right? He shows up at basketball tryouts. He expects to make the JV or even the varsity his freshman year, and he doesn't because he believes something about himself that's not true. He's not actually that good. He was just better than the other kids in his class. He went to a school of 65 students. He happened to be semi-athletic and decent at basketball, and so he scored most of the team's points. Even though they lost every game, he thought he was pretty good. And now he gets to high school, and the scrubs from the team that won the championship are better than he is, and he was the star of, their team, of his team. They barely saw the floor on their team, right? It's all relative is what I'm trying to say. We forget that all these things can change, that don't have to be that way, and that most of the things that, that we believe about ourselves, we believe it about ourselves because of our environment, not necessarily because they're true or because they're false. All of them are relative. Most of them, I should say, are relative. Um, one of my favorite examples of this in literature, this is going to be a long podcast, I guess, sorry, um, but one of my favorite examples of this in literature is J.R. Tolkien. Um, he is a fantastic author. If you've never read The Lord of the Rings, if you've never read The Hobbit, go ahead and do that. If you've been listening to the show for a while, I read those books around Christmas time last year and like this time of year. So it was like between Chris, I, I re- think I finished the first one right around Christmas time and finished the last one um, around uh, Valentine's Day or a little later. Um, excellent books, really great reads. Um, I've turned into a Lord of the Rings nerd because of it. I can't wait to read them again. I just got to, <laughs> there's other things I got to read first. Um, just phenomenal books. And right now, actually, the novel that I'm reading right now is The Hobbit. And I'm digging it, man. I love it. Um, and, and one of my favorite scenes from The Hobbit so far is that first scene at the beginning of the book. Now, if you've never read these books, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, even if you've seen the movies, I'm still going to spoil a bunch of stuff from the book. So if you haven't read them, spoiler alert, but it'll just entice you to read them maybe um, because it's definitely worth your time. But at the beginning of The Hobbit, um, Bilbo Baggins does not want to go on an adventure. He refuses to go on an adventure. Um, he's actually incredibly rude to Gandalf because Gandalf wants him to go on an adventure and he doesn't want to go to a, on an adventure. And what he believes is that he's a pretty big deal in, um, in Hobbin, Hobbiton, wherever he lives, right? He believes he's a big deal in the Shire. He believes that he has some dignity. He believes that things are good the way they are. He believes that his life is full. He believes that he has, that he speaks with wisdom. He believes that he has some authority. He believes that he's well off. He believes all these things about himself that aren't necessarily false, 
but they're all relative to the Shire, right? He's had he's done more adventurous things than anybody else in the Shire has. He does speak with some authority, but nobody in the Shire really has any authority, you know? Um, he believes himself to, to have some dignity, but there's also no one really that has a lot of dignity in the Shire. And so when you start reading The Lord of the Rings and you see the way the elves uh, talk to Bilbo Baggins and how he has all this wisdom to share and uh, you see the respect with which they treat him, all of this is what he believed about himself before his adventure but wasn't true until after his adventure. You catch my drift? He wasn't actually a hero. He actually didn't have a lot of wisdom. He actually didn't have a lot of, of, of things to talk about. He actually hadn't lived a full life until he had that adventure. And now because of his adventure, all the things he th- had thought about himself beforehand have now become true. Same thing with the hobbits uh, in, in um, The Lord of the Rings, right? At the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, they all think that they're, you know, that they're, they're important. They all think that they're intelligent. They, some of them think they're kind of tough. Um, they believe themselves to be different than the rest of the hobbits in many ways. Um, and when they're done with their adventure, they prove themselves to be that later on. If you read the books, at the, in the, at the end of the very last book, they come back to the Shire and a great wicked is being done in the Shire. I won't completely spoil it for you. And they have, they're, all of a sudden, they show how tough and powerful they really are. And the rest of the hobbits look at them because they're this strange, different type of breed of hobbit now. Um, but they, they don't understand them, but they recognize how important they are. And they realize that they're really not as tough as they think. They're not really not as safe as they think. All the things they believed about themselves before were relative to their situation. The, uh, I think the last example from Tolkien's writing that I'm going to share with you right now is Aragorn, right? At the beginning of the movie, they don't even, or the beginning of the books, they don't even call him Aragorn. They call him Strider, right? And they just believe that he's you know, this guy who you know, lives on the plains, um, he's kind of a rascal is the way they think about him, right? He's almost, they, they're suspicious of him. They think maybe he's a thief. It turns out he's the king. He's the king of kings. He is the, the savior, the rescuer. He is the most powerful and most important man really in, in history. Um, but they just call him Strider because, A, he doesn't sit on the throne. He has not been crowned king. B, he's not acting like the king of kings. Not yet, at least, right? And he isn't taking on that authority. And C, he hasn't earned the right to be so yet. And so it takes him time. He could just show up at the the Black Gate and say, you're not the ruler, I'm the ruler, right? He could just show up. I can't remember what the town is called, but he could just throw up, show up and take his throne and demand that the uh, man who sits on his throne vacate the throne, but he would have no authority. He needs to earn it. He needs to be taken the right way over time. He needs to be earned instead of just declared, right? He earns his identity. He earns the right to be king. Uh, maybe the Lion King is the right way to do that, right? He could have been king when he was a little kid. He didn't earn it. He had to come back and earn the right to be king. He had to defeat the enemy and earn the right to be king. The point is, much of what we believe about ourselves is a construct, right? It's allowed by the environment that we live in. It's, an, it's, it's, it's really not completely true or it's not as true as we think we, it is. And all of a sudden, one day, our, our, our bubble gets popped um, and what we believe about ourselves turns out to be false. Um, I, somebody said to me once, everybody thinks they're tough until they're in a tough situation, right? 
And it's true. Everybody thinks they're tough until they're in a tough situation. You don't really know if you're tough or not until you're in a tough situation. And if you've never really faced a tough situation, how do you know if you're tough or not? You might be tough, but we don't know, right? I would argue you're not tough until you've had to be tough. Um, another example, right? Uh, the You always think you're handsome until you're in a room full of models, right? You always think you're handsome until there's somebody else in the room that's more handsome than you are. You realize just, you know, you're not, you know what I'm saying? Those types of examples. You always think when you're the big fish in a small pond, you always think that you're a big deal. You always think more of what yourself than what you're actually supposed to. So, or than, than what's actually true. So my encouragement, I think you can probably catch on what my encouragement is going to be, is to find ways to face reality. Now, none of this is a commentary on what God thinks of us, clearly. God sees us as his beloved children because of the death of Jesus. He sees us as his sons, right? I was broken. I was condemned because of my sinfulness. And Jesus came. He was my substitute. He paid my debt. So Christ, the Father no longer sees my sin. He sees me as I ought to be. He sees me as he wants me to be. He sees me um, through the veil of Jesus' blood, right? I've been washed clean. He now sees me as he sees the Son, right? He now sees me as his beloved child. He no longer sees my sin because my debt has been paid. That's not the commentary that we're having right now. We're having a commentary about what uh, other men see and what other men think and where I stand amongst men, right? I, it is important, and we do need to recognize where we stand amongst men. And don't think, don't think um, that this is a condemn, condemning thing. And, and I'm also not saying we all need to go out and have great adventures. I'm also not saying everybody needs to learn to be tough. I'm not saying every man needs to be the same. That's not it at all. There should be no shame in honest recognition of who we are and where we stand. Right? Um, look at Jesus' disciples. Um, some of them were doctors and lawyers. Some of them were fishermen, and there's everything in between. Right? There's some tax collectors. When reality hit, and they started following Jesus, they're all one and the same, right? They're all one and the same. That's the attitude we need to have about ourselves in the church. I feel like I'm not being clear. What we need to talk about is, what we need to think about is what we bring to the table, right? There are men who are rough and ready. They've faced devils, right? They've faced demons uh, beyond what you or I can imagine, and they stand ready oftentimes to do violence on our behalf so we don't have to, right? We should probably leave the defense and enforcement of laws to them, right? There's a military for a reason. There are police for a reason. Leave the policing to the police. Leave war to the military, There are some of us who have faced great moral battles, right? And who have had to face great moral struggles, and when we have great moral battles and moral struggles, those are the men we turn to to fight those battles. Right? And the same thing goes within our church setting, within our family settings. We need to be honest about what we bring to the table because lies don't bring anything to the table. If I believe myself to be tough but I'm not, then I can't try and be someone else's strength. I'm going to fall apart. Right? If I believe myself to be wise and I'm not, I'm just going to create... I'm, I'm going to be a fool. I'm going to create other fools. If I believe myself to be strong and I'm not, then when I try and give my strength away, there's nothing there. There's no substance. Right? We just need to be honest about ourselves. We need to be honest about our situation. <laughs> we need to be honest um, about the reality that we live in. Uh, we also need to realize 
that our environment dictates a lot of what we think about ourselves. Um, and so if there's something about you, if your bubble gets popped, um, if you realize something about yourself or if you want something to be true about yourself, you have to go out and pursue that, right? Um, if I realize that I'm not very disciplined and I want to be more disciplined, what do I do? I start making habits and routines. I ask people to hold me accountable and I find a way to become more disciplined. If I want to be stronger physically, what do I do? I go to the gym. Maybe I hire a trainer. I start throwing heavy weight around and the more heavy weight around I throw around, the stronger I get. If I want to be more tender with my significant other, I can't just go in there and say, I'm tender now. That doesn't change reality. What you need to do is you need to take a deep breath. You need to start listening. You need to start saying, how do you feel? You need to start empathizing. You need to start asking sensitive questions and acting like you are sensitive. And sooner or later, you will learn to be so, right? You're never going to be perfect. We're never going to completely conquer our demons. But we can change what uh, is true about us and where we stand amongst men. So my encouragement today and this week is to identify what we believe about ourselves that isn't true, right? What do I believe about myself that's a lie? What do I believe about myself that's false? We need to identify them and figure out how you, what do what you got to do to identify them. But identify what about yourself isn't true and start being what you want to be. Start doing what you need to do to make that true. Um, if you're out of shape and you want to be in shape, go work out, right? If you want, like, if, if you want to be the best in the gym at the YMCA, then you have to go shoot baskets at the YMCA and work hard and be competitive so that you can, you get my point. That's my point today, gentlemen. The father loves you no matter what, but where you stand amongst men, A, is all relative, B, has a lot to do with your environment, and C, isn't always true. So, the better you know yourself, the more clearly you can see yourself, the more clear your mirror, your image of yourself is, um, the, the, the better you can serve the people around you, the more you bring to the table, um, because you know where your niche is, you know what you can handle, you know what you can do, you know what your limits are, you know what your strengths are. You're going to be better at serving your church, your community, uh, and your savior, and your family if you know yourself as well as you possibly can. That's what I'm getting at today. Gentlemen, I hope you have a great week. I hope I didn't talk too much today. I know it was a little long-winded. But we're under a half an hour, so that's good. <sighs> Gird up, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. 
And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.